0: what's going on data and wi-fi users i'm your Ultra boo thang amber smiles jones welcome to the professionally silly podcast well in the next three seconds i'll be using a fake horrible british accent because i'm really not that good at it anyways guys this is the podcast where we can discuss all kinds ish okay true crime ghost stories and interesting random shit that i find online hosted by me a fellow human being trying to survive this thing called life. Yes. Okay. So, uh, this is the, this, 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 this podcast, Professionally Silly, let me tell you, I really, really enjoy being able to bring you so many diverse topics. Okay. So this is going to be a good one, guys. But before we get to that, can we just say that there's just, oh, just so much going on in the world right now. You know what I'm saying? I cannot be the only one who feels like 2020 started the day that these fools elected Trump into office. Everything has gone to hell since then. It's, it's, it's been almost four years of 2020. That's how I feel like, dude, it's, it's like the orange virus. You know what I'm saying? This walking cum stain could end up being president again. So take yo ass to vote And if you, and if your polls are closed because of the Corona outbreak and whatnot, then vote through mail or whatever the fuck your other option is. Fucking mail vote that shit. Okay. (laughs) Just vote, please. Oh Jesus. Okay. Anywho, now that I got that off of my titties, I (laughs) excuse me, off of my chest, I'm just, I'm still annoyed as fuck, but in a more positive light. Okay. So let's dig into it guys. Last week, uh, I shared some creepy ass Ouija board stories with you guys, plus Willie from the grand Repedians play video games podcast shared his scary ass Ouija board experience o m g willie okay if if you're listening bro uh thanks so much for listening and sharing your story, and if you've got more, I want them, yeah, I want them all okay all all three of you send me your shit. Um, well, once again, I don't, I don't fuck with Ouija boards. I say that every time the word Ouija board comes up, that's usually my reaction. Oh, Ouija board? No, I don't fuck with Ouija boards. (laughs) My homegirl, Divaology, uh, she is this dope uh, 420 YouTuber and she is a musical artist as well. Anyways, she swears. She can convince me to use a Ouija board, but she is sadly mistaken. That will not be happening. She's like, oh, we'll make a YouTube video. Because everybody knows, okay, if I make a YouTube video about it, I might do it. But when it comes to that, nah. Mm -mm -mm. Diva, stop it. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Oh my God. So this week, this week, I've got a true crime story for you, but there were no murders, there's no rapes, there's no ghosts, none of that, okay? There's no no demons, there's no Ouija boards. I know, guys, violence and, and sex sells, you know what I'm saying? Like, every, hey, <laughs> why do you think all these cop shows do so well? You know, you got like a sexy detective looking into shit, solving things, saving lives. No, but I have something else for you, though. What if I told you that... uh Okay, what if I told you that what we're going to talk about is still considered to be one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in FBI history, and some would even say U.S. history. Yeah, yeah, yep, damn right. We got a guy who hijacked a plane, stole $200,000, and got away with it. Well there's a huge question mark after that. (laughs) There's a lot of conspiracy theories uh dealing with this particular case. But granted this it was the seventies, okay, nineteen seventy-one to be exact, so two hundred thousand dollars would have been worth about one point two million dollars. Okay? One million two hundred and ninety-one thousand three hundred and twenty-six dollars and sixty-three cents yeah I'm not good at math that was just according to dollars uh dollartimes.com uh, I'm super good at googling um, <laughs> you no know, me and math are hard don't even ask me how old I was you know asserting my how old were you in 84 I don't fucking oh wait oh that's a good one I wasn't born yet yeah okay I knew that one okay all right um so D.B. Cooper is the man that we're going to talk about. The man who upsmarted the FBI all by himself, as far as we know. Now the case is still unsolved till this day, but before we uh, get started as per usual, do me a solid and take a few moments to support your favorite black creator, that's me, and leave me a five star and written review on Apple Podcasts. And maybe every now and then I'll bring out that sexy, fake, horrible English accent that you just heard twice today. Maybe you'll get lucky. (laughs) But anyways, leaving a five-star and written review uh, on Apple Podcasts actually will uh, help Professionally Silly be explored, (laughs) expanded, expired. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Found. We'll say that. Found by other people who haven't heard of our podcast yet. It helps put Professionally Silly uh, into the algorithm of podcast or whatever. So, they'll start suggesting me more. So let's do that. Yeah. And also if you don't like my podcast, you know, that's fine. You can tell me that too. Um, be nice. I get really emotional because I'm sensitive. But if you would go ahead and, um, leave me a review, that'd be dope. If you've already left me review, thank you so fucking hard. That, that means the world to me. That shit's titties. Thank you very much. Also, pro silly listeners, for those of you who are listening to my older episodes, don't forget that you can always share your opinion about those episodes no matter what, no matter how old they are. Okay, that's why I created the Twitter account. So you guys can always discuss any episode that you want at any time. So follow this podcast on Twitter and and Instagram at it's pro silly. I T-S-P-R-O and then the word silly. Now from now on The Instagram page will have photos and or videos pertaining to the episodes that we do. So take a look (laughs) as you're listening and um, listen along as you're taking a look at the photos and our videos, whatever. And I'll also have some other fun posts on there as well. And once again, it's at It's Pro Silly. Okay. Don't forget, guys. Also, you can always leave me a message or text me via uh, my Google voice number as well and share your opinion on the episode eight zero five six six four one eight two eight okay let's dive into db cooper true crime bitches let's do it let me just go ahead and start off by saying that this whole story is in fucking insane. it's almost it, it almost sounds like a movie <laughs> and actually they actually made a movie after many of them i'm sure But if you haven't heard of D.B. Cooper, then I I have to say I'm a little surprised and I'm also assuming you were born sometime in the 2000s under a rock. (laughs) But a lot of people haven't heard of this case and that's cool. That's why I'm here. But if you call yourself a true conspiracy theorist or even a true crime enthusiast and you haven't heard of this man, then you're neither one of those things. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm just being an asshole. So let's go ahead and get this started. The last time we told Luigi boards you guys heard the uh the, the fire crackling like camping sounds and shit, right? So this time we're gonna turn on airport sound effects. Yeah, I just I don't have all the fun editing equipment and software and stuff yet. I'm still I'm recording this for my iPhone, okay? <laughs> so I'm doing the best that I can. So I like to have fun and testing things out with you guys you're my audible guinea pigs yay okay airports eh. okay Ooh, that sounds good all right so the whole story starts off with a well-dressed middle-aged white guy on wednesday november 24th 1971 the day before thanksgiving to be exact now he enters the airport in portland oregon wearing a business suit with a white shirt and black tie with a very long overcoat standing at six foot one and around a hundred and seventy five pounds, now he seemed to be about in his mid forties. He had brown eyes, olive complexion, black hair with a conventional cut for that particular time. It was parted to the left, kind of resembled that dude from uh What's that show that everybody really fucking likes when they're advertising Mad Men? He looks like that guy, kind of. (laughs) He went by the name Dan Cooper, or at least that's what his $20 ticket said. He purchased a one-way ticket from Northwest Orient Airlines, Flight 305, bound for Seattle, Washington. First of all, can you imagine... Being able to buy an airplane ticket for $20, I can't. <laughs> the flight would be approximately five seconds and it would never leave the ground in today's, <laughs> in today's world. Well, one thing is for sure. Airports in the 70s were nothing like they are now. You didn't always need an ID. Ticket prices were definitely cheaper compared to today's prices. And you could smoke on the plane. Now... My mom actually used to work for Eastern Airlines and even worked for Hartsville-Jackson International Airport when it opened in 1980. And I, it was believed, I think it was uh, still considered to believe the world's largest air, air passenger terminal complex. I think it still is considered that. And uh, it covers, oh, wow, over uh, 2 million square feet. So it's big, big as shit. <laughs> Anywho, I thought it would be fun to call my mom up and ask her what it was like in airports at that time just to kind of give you an idea of what db cooper's surroundings could have been so excuse me now listen just in case my mom is listening to this podcast episode i will not be using the phrase back then or back in the day no ma'am she trained me better than that okay (laughs) i have to be honest i'm just being i'm (laughs) a Oh, shut up. I don't want none of them phone calls. Okay. I have to be honest with you. In today's world, there is no way that DB Cooper would have gotten away with any of this. We have, we have to completely get undressed now to board a plane these days. So, I mean, you might as well. That's why I never get dressed up when I go to the airport. It's a waste of fucking time. So anyways, let's see what my mom has to say about her experience with the airports in the 70s, and I want to give you guys a better idea of what they were like in case you ever, in case you never experienced it before. Now I wasn't alive yet, so I reached out to my beautiful, youthful, intelligent, talented mother to share that with us. And by the way, okay, I'm sorry about the audio. I had to rig it. I had to rig this up because, like I said, I can't afford that fancy schmancy audio software and/or equipment. So this this is a recording of a recording. <laughs> oh Lord. Can you can you hear me okay? Yeah. I wanted to um ask a favor. Really simple. I'm um I'm working on a podcast right now. Remember I was telling you I was gonna do the D B Cooper thing? Yes. I was doing the research. I was pretty much it like trying to read or understand the comparisons to the airports in the 70s versus the airports now. And you were someone that I knew actually worked, you know, in the airports. You know, as they've changed over the years, security did not come along until nine eleven.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much. Yes. There was no, there was no security. You could, you you and your family could walk all the way from the front of the uh, the airport all the way back to whatever departure gate. You know, your you or your friends or whoever, and how many? You know, sometimes it would be more friends in the. Uh, in the gate area than there was the person, you know, traveling. Oh, that's true. You can go there for lunch and stuff. Yeah, you know, so, um, so yeah, there is a, there is a a big difference. There's, there was no security. You didn't go through security checkpoints. You know, there were police there, but, you know, they were basically there to protect people's luggage and fees and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Some thieves but most of the the policing was done in the baggage plane area and you did have to show your baggage tag when you were leaving the airport to make sure that the luggage that you picked up was it
0: was yours did you have to show id to buy a plane ticket no that's what i read too you
1: did not have to you did not have to show id to buy a plane ticket if you were if you were buying a round trip ticket Wow. Okay. If you were buying an expensive ticket paying cash, you know, and and that kind of thing, then you have to show ID.
0: Wow. That's interesting because with Dan Cooper, he paid his name wasn't Dan. No one knows who this man is. He didn't show ID. He paid a one-way ticket from Portland, Oregon to Washington to Seattle, Washington for $20. <laughs> and he gave the name Dan Cooper, but that person doesn't exist. Right. So that's so great. Things were so different.
1: <laughs> okay. The reason that they asked for the name is because airline tickets were handwritten. Anything happened to that plane that could match manifest with the number of people that were on that plane? Oh, I see. That is. You know, so somebody said the plane went down. Wherever, whatever was my family member on it? Wow! What they did was go and pull the ticket stubs.
0: That's crazy. Were you ever on a plane where people were smoking on the plane, and what was that like? Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. If if you were a smoker, it didn't bother you. If you smoke, if you did not smoke, it, you you choked basically. Ugh. So what people used to do was, you know, the overhead. Um, Vents that you turn on, yeah, you couldn't smoke while the plane was on the ground.
0: Oh, because of the, the fuel, the fumes, probably you
1: could only you could only smoke when the plane was in the air. So, you, so not only did you have to put out cigarettes when the you know uh, before takeoff and before you know landing <laughs> was because you couldn't smoke when the plane was on the ground. You could only light up you know after the plane reached whatever thousand feet. I
0: don't know what thousand. That totally makes play. sense because when they're refueling the planes, you got all those jet fumes and stuff. That could start an explosion. So that makes sense. But I can only imagine, because you know I used to be a flight attendant, so I can only imagine how frustrating it was. Sir, could you please put out your cigarette just like it was? when I was like, sir, could you please put your bag in the overhead compartment? Ma'am, yeah. could you please put your purse under your c- It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Could
1: you not but, light your cigarette? <laughs>
0: oh, goodness. But that was,
1: you know, that was the thing. Could not, you know, you smoked when you, and so people who d- who did not smoke would turn on those overhead vents. Mm-hmm. They still have them. You know, people get hot on the airplanes, they turn on the overhead vents. Okay. And, the, and so, you know, the cool air would blow down on you particularly. But um, they did have smoking and non-smoking sections.
0: How the hell is that
1: possible on a plane? <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't... Uh, it was just a section. It didn't really stop the, the, the um, but you didn't have to sit next to a smoker. Oh, that's good. You know? That's good. They would ask you, smoking or non-smoking, and you would say smoking, but there was nothing to separate the people except a seat back. Ugh. So a certain section was smoking, and then most of the smoking
0: class was way in the back. Oh, that's where all the cool kids were, huh? That's that's how it was in the back of the bus in, in high school. It's in the back of the school yeah. bus where the cool kids were. Ugh. I could just imagine all the secondhand smoke that people just endured on those fl- those flights back at that time. Jesus. Yeah,
1: you got off, you got off the plane scrolling like somebody's, you know. Somebody's,
0: symptoms. ugh, that's gross. And not sexy at all all right mom well thank you so much it's actually what i needed so i don't need you now i got i got what i needed (laughs) Oh, okay say say hello to the professionally silly listeners
1: hello professionally silly listeners that's my mama (laughs) y'all
0: with you guys my mom has the most soothing voice to me except when I was in trouble when I was a kid oh my god her voice wasn't as soothing then (laughs) okay so let's get back to the skyjacking story shall we so Dan Cooper who became known as D.B. Cooper due to a mistake by the press the anchor misread or misheard the name and it stuck (laughs) But to be honest, D.B. does sound better than Dan. The only Dan I know was on that show, Roseanne. Anyhow, um, once he boarded the plane, which was a Boeing 727, he carried with him a paper bag and a briefcase, took his seat, which was an aisle seat, in the rear of the plane. He appeared calm and very sure of himself. He lit a cigarette and sat back. Before the flight took off, a 23-year-old flight attendant, Florence Schaffner, asked if there was anything she could get him. He calmly, ordered her, he calmly ordered himself a bourbon and soda. And in my opinion, that's a disgusting drink because I don't like club soda. It's disgusting. I'd rather have the bourbon by itself because thug life. <laughs> and uh, after the plane took off, he gave the flight attendant a folded piece of paper. And as I've mentioned before, I've been a flight attendant in the past, and it's not very uncommon for people to slide us their phone numbers, should they be interested, or even their business cards, you just never know. So we usually just, you know, take it and we put it in our pockets, you know, (laughs) and then we just, we just go about our day, because there's a good chance you're not going to see that person ever again anyway, so why not? But we usually just, um... Throw them away once the passenger deplanes, or when we get to our hotels. But unless the flight attendant is hella interested, which sometimes that does happen. (laughs) Anyways, Florence did the same thing as we all did. You know, she took the note and she slid it into her pocket and she started to walk off. But then DB grabs her arm gently and and tells her, "Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. I'm sure." Uh, He was annoyed that he actually had to say that he had a bomb. It it probably defeated the purpose of handing her the note. I'm just saying, you know, hey, hey, no, I'm not hitting on you. I have a bomb. You might want to look at that that note that I gave you. Here, look, look, see, here's the bomb. You know, it just defeats the purpose. (laughs) I'm just saying. So he asked her to sit next to him and he and showed her the bomb inside of his briefcase. Now, inside the briefcase were several several red colored sticks with a lot of wires around them, and he asked her to write down everything he said and then give it to the captain. Now, the note said, "I want two thousand dollars by five p m in cash and twenty dollar bills. put it in a knapsack I want the back i want two i w- oh i want two back parachutes and two front parachutes and when we land." I want a field truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff, or I'll do the job. Can I just say that no funny stuff? (laughs) It's just funny to me. Only because, like, well, you know, I've never heard anybody say that ever in real life. It just seems like something a cartoon character from the 50s would say. But all right, moving on. So he wanted everything to be delivered once they landed at SeaTac Airport. So the flight crew makes contact to the police with the police, and the airline cra- airline excuse me staff that's on the ground. Now they all are desperately running around trying to get everything that he asked for: the the, the two back parachutes, the two front parachutes, the uh, twenty thousand dollar excuse me two hundred thousand dollars and twenty dollar bills, you know the knapsack. The, you know, get everything in $20. They're they're just trying to figure out how the fuck they're going to get all this together, you know? And, um, they're doing this in hopes that he won't blow up the plane and kill everyone on board. Now the flight crew on the plane did not explain or let the passengers know what was going on. The, uh, the plane had to circle around the Seattle area for a couple of hours and they were told, um, that there was like a minor mechanical problem. And, um, I mean, I don't know if everyone believed that <laughs> because the flight, this flight normally took 30 minutes and it turned into a three and a half hour flight. So from what I understand, there was actually a, a passenger who who jokingly said, "Why was taking so long? I guess we got hijacked or something." You know, <laughs> no idea that they were actually right. <laughs> but yeah, so when the flight landed in Seattle. Cooper exchanged the passengers for the money and the parachutes, and he asked for 36 passengers uh, to be released after he, uh, after he got um, the money. So he let them go, all 36 of them. So 36 passengers were saved. However, D.B. Cooper did a few, he did keep a few of the crew, the crew members on board because he needed them to fly him to Mexico City and to be sure that the plane stayed below 10,000 feet. Now the captain and when you think about it, you're wondering, well, does he have some sort of knowledge about airplanes or how they work? You know what I'm saying? saying? Because remember earlier he said he wants a field truck ready to be refueled. I mean, not a lot of people know that's called a field truck. I'm not even sure if that is what it's called. That's how that's how much I don't know. <laughs> and he also knows he also uh wanted to keep the plane below ten thousand feet. So that's a very specific instruction. So I wonder if he actually has some sort of history in, I don't know, planes and shit. So anyways, the captain let him know that there was not enough fuel in the plane to make a trip that far to Mexico City and that they would need to refuel. So that's why, <clears throat> so that's why, that's what they did. And, um, and it, took a, it took a few hours to refuel the plane. Now around 8 p.m., after they would taken off somewhere between Seattle, Seattle, Seattle and Reno, Cooper did something that no one expected him to do. He put on those iconic sunglasses from the famous sketch that, we, that, everyone have seen, that everyone's seen of him. And then this motherfucker takes his tie off, his clip-on tie, might I add, and he jumps out the rear door of the plane into the pitch black night with an extra parachute and the money. He, (laughs) I can't even believe he fucking did this. Now the flight crew, they were able to land the plane safely, but D.B. Cooper was never seen again.
1: I'm your host, Taylor Renee. And I'm Isaiah. We're back. We're still fat and we still have fucking opinions. And I also struggle with skinny jeans specifically because a lot of times men's skinny jeans, the calf to ankle ratio on skinny jeans It's really important. If you have to constantly tell someone that you're not a liar, Mm. chances are you lie a lot. So I could see how you would get to, if you have to constantly say you love your body, chances are you don't love it. Mm. But you also have to think about how large bodies are seen in society and how we would need to kind of overcompensate with Mm -hmm. us telling you that we do love our bodies because it's hard to believe at first. It's not my goal to inconvenience you by being fat. Mm -hmm. I want you to make that clear. It's like when you have leftovers in the fridge and you come home from work ready to eat your leftovers just to find out that that bitch ass nigga sleeping in your bed ate your leftovers. I want to say shake and go wigs, you know, when it says it on the package that you take it out and you shake it and then you go, does that mean that you should do that? It means that you, you know, (laughs) should put some time and energy into crafting this wig so that it feels good (laughs) and it looks good on
0: your head. Welcome to fat people with opinions, bitch. You shouldn't ever call me a fat ass Kelly Price. Well, I kind of left y'all hanging there for a bit, didn't I? Well, my bad. Let's get back to it, though. How about that? So the only thing that DB left behind was a black clip on tie that he took off before jumping. But that tie had his DNA on it. So over the years, the FBI have been trying to find the person behind the DNA, but so far have not found a match. The FBI um, called this case NORJAC, which did, which stood for Northwest hijacking. They interviewed hundreds of people and throughout and thoroughly, excuse me, and uh, throughout all of this and throughout searching all over the plane, they didn't find much evidence. So their, they did have leads, but their so-called leads took them all over the country. But by the time we reached the five year anniversary of this crime, They had already interviewed 800 suspects and eliminated all of them except for about 24. Now, the FBI even made sure that they have the serial numbers for the $20 bills and they, um, excuse me, for the $20 bills that they gave to D.B. Cooper. But the money was never found either. That's, that's what's crazy here. (laughs) Now, no one knew for certain if Cooper had even survived the jump from that plane there were so many things that have, that could have killed him in this jump. Okay. For one, the FBI tried to give him, uh, the, uh, tried to give him military parachutes. Okay. That's what they intended to give him, uh, which deploy on their own once they reach a certain, uh, pressure, but for some insane fucking reason, he refused. D.B. Cooper refused those. And the, um, and one of the parachutes. Uh, that he wanted, or the parachutes that he wanted, excuse me, were the kind of parachutes that free jumpers use, which means they are manual and can't really they can't be steered, which doesn't make any sense. These are the kind of parachutes that extreme skydivers, like extreme extreme skydivers or base jumpers, professional sport jumpers, uh, they they tend to to like these kind of parachutes because they will pull their their cords at the last exact moment so clearly if you 're pulling um, if you 're opening your chute at the last moment there 's no need to be able to steer it. These are the the parachutes that he wanted instead of the military ones that open up for you well so you know now we 're wondering like, is this guy stupid <laughs> okay, so the weather at the moment at that time was horrible with strong winds and even some rain, and one thing that people tend to forget about is that the higher up you are in the sky, the colder it gets. It was about 40 degrees up there. Okay, I don't know what that is in Celsius. I think it's like seven. I don't know. (laughs) Look that shit up. But uh, when he jumped out of that plane, the wind chill and the rain water would have chilled him to the bone because he was not wearing the proper gear to survive a jump like that. At the altitude that he was, you know, the winds were about... I think it was like 200 miles per hour at that time. And it was cold as hell and it was wet. Nah, nah. Hypothermia, that shit kicks in pretty quick. You know what I'm saying? Because all of these, all of these details, you know, they, is one of the reasons that many people doubt that Cooper knew what he was doing. Not, not even the experienced skydivers would not attempt to, to make a jump under those conditions. Oh, and I, and I forgot, uh, it was also pitch dark as shit, by the way. I couldn't see a goddamn thing. So <laughs> that's insane. There were like a bunch of clouds over where he jumped. So he had no idea where he was actually going to be landing, which is kind of insane. Okay. Oh yeah. And I also forgot to mention that one of the four parachutes that Cooper was given was sewn shut because it was a training shoot. He didn't even notice. So because that's one of the shoots that he grabbed when he jumped out, Um, a lot of people are thinking clearly maybe this man wasn't an expert or maybe this man was batshit crazy. I don't really know which one. So he had a parachute that couldn't be steered. He definitely was not wearing the proper clothing or footwear to survive a ride down with that type of weather or the super rough landing that he had ahead. For one thing, he also, he jumped into an extremely dark wooded area at night Also, he had no previous knowledge of the flight plan, which means he had no idea which direction uh, the pilots were going to fly. So how the fuck would he know where he was going to land once he jumped out of the plane? None of this makes any sense. It's, it's, it wasn't very well planned. It doesn't seem like now Cooper's body, the remainder of the money, his clothes and his parachutes, nothing was found. None of these things were ever recovered. Now, at one point, the FBI had one suspect that stood out from the others, and his name was Richard Floyd McCoy. That's, God, that name just rolls off the tongue. Richard Floyd McCoy. And uh, he was actually arrested for similar for a similar hijacking um, that he attempted uh, to escape by parachute as well. <laughs> and this was about five months after DB did his thing. So apparently, Cooper started a trend, I guess, just... Dude, you got to hijack a plane, get you some money and jump out the back of that bitch. Good luck, guys. I don't know. could, (laughs) Could you just imagine if this was like the next like TikTok or Twitter trend or some shit, just a bunch of YouTubers hijacking planes and trying to get views. Jesus. I mean, it's not too far off. There was a time where people were actually eating Tide Pods, you know, like actually deciding, cognitively deciding to digest poison on their own free will so they can get views. People set themselves on fire to get views. People are dumb as fuck, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the FBI ruled that Richard um, McCoy, they rule him out because he didn't match the physical description of Cooper. But Richard McCoy decided to, to make a fake gun while he was in prison uh, for the for the skyjacking that he did commit and he managed uh, to escape from prison, but was killed in a shootout with law enforcement <laughs> well, I'm laughing because it, it makes sense because he, his gun was fake. So I, I don't know, I don't know much about guns, but I do know fake guns are no match for real ones. That's just, that's just my, you know, experience <laughs> with guns. Oh my gosh. But, uh, police did catch a break in 1980 when a young boy, his name was Brian, I think he was about eight years old and he found a rotting bag fooled with $20 bills and that matched the serial numbers of the stolen money at, uh, on a beach called Tina bar in the uh, Columbia river, this bank off of the river there by the Columbia river. Now this is in Vancouver, Washington. This is where this happened. Now, apparently he, uh, he and his dad were making a campfire on the beach together when they came across it. And this kid found $5,800 in total. And he would have, He must've been like one of those super honest kids I've, I've like never heard of because as a child, I would have thought, Oh, finders keepers. I mean, (laughs) honestly, honestly, as an adult, especially during this pandemic, I'm currently thinking finders keepers, but do you have any idea how many comic books and candy bars that kid could have bought? Damn. You know, that stupid, honest, responsible bastard. (laughs) I think the kid was, like I said, I think he was like eight years old or something like that. So he could have easily just used the, I'm a little kid. (laughs) He could have used that defense and I didn't know any better, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's if the serial numbers were entered, if the serial numbered uh, monies were actually entered into the circulation. Anyway, so the kid turned the money in, (laughs) I'm guessing his daddy, his dad was probably the honest asshole, but that's fine. Now I did read, um, on newyorktimes.com from an article written on June 13th, 1986, which is actually a few days before I was born. Just throwing that out there. My birthday's June 19th. Juneteenth was popping. Um, <laughs> and that was the year I was born too, in 1986. So it said that uh, the kid was able to keep some of the money that he found and he decided that he would try to sell his share of the money to collectors to pay for his college education and to make a down payment on a farm for his parents. So I guess honesty really is the best policy. I tried to find more articles through NewYorkTimes.com, but after clicking three articles, they're like, oh, you have to subscribe if you want to see more things. And I tried to find the X button X out of that. There wasn't one. Like, you have to subscribe or you get the fuck out of this website. And I was like, oh, shit. All right, New York, I feel you. I'll just go to Reddit. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I'm not signing up for another fucking anything. No subscriptions. I'm done. No, no more apps. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) My phone can't handle it. Okay. neither can my email address. All right. So let's get back to the story here. Over, after over 40 years of investigating this case, the FBI officially closed its investigation in 2016. But they are still open to tips and any ideas that anyone may have leading to the capture of D.B. Cooper. But the FBI had a very interesting way in making sure that they get what they want in the end and allow me to explain what I mean. Now, in 1976, the FBI found a way to make sure that the statute of limitations never expired for this particular crime or this particular criminal. Ooh, okay, y'all, they is sneaky as fuck with this one. Let me tell you what they did. So they were able to get a, a they, they wrote up a, an indictment for a guy named John Doe. I cannot for the, for those of you who are super into true crime, you know, when they, when they find a body that's been killed or something or murdered and they don't know who it is, they give it the name John Doe because they don't know who it is. Okay. So now they did this because they really don't know the, the true name of this Dan slash DB Cooper. Like my mom and I discussed earlier, it was a little easier at that time. So you didn't always have to show ID. So technically you could say your name is whatever the fuck you wanted to say your name was. So because there was an indictment, this allowed them to stop the statute uh, of limitations here of uh, limitations, um, which means they can arrest the person responsible for this crime at any time. Now let's just see. <laughs> if we can get the government to do the same thing for uh rape charges or child molestation charges, because annoyingly those have ticking clocks. And if you can't solve those cases within a certain amount of time, then no one can be arrested or tried in court for that specific crime, which is utterly fucking bullshit. To be honest with you, it annoys the hell out of me that sex crimes have uh, limitations that have statute of limitations. It's, it's fucking dumb, but <laughs> That's probably for another podcast episode. Now, did D.B. Cooper survive that insane jump and live on the rest of his life without spending a dime of that money? Because it was never found in circulation once again. Or did he die when he took that stupid ass jump? And if he did, where is the evidence that he even existed? Where the hell is the parachute? The rest of the money, or even his body. Nothing was ever found.
1: Hey, true crime listeners, check out our podcast, I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say, Goddamn. Every Sunday, we try to one-up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at podcast or visit our website, ISGDPodcast.com.
0: Obviously, there are a lot of theories as to what happened to D.B. Cooper. A lot of speculation. Some speculate that maybe he landed in the water and drowned and was washed out to sea. I mean, that that is where they found the $5,800 on the bank of that river. So that could make sense. Some even think that maybe if he actually landed in the forest, perhaps he died on impact or perhaps he didn't have the, because he didn't have the proper clothing or footwear, Maybe he could have died because of, you know, exp- um, being exposed to the elements. Maybe the animals took care of his body. But if if that is the case, it still doesn't explain why they haven't found parachutes or any items of clothing or anything like that. So there, there was a guy, Lyle, that was convinced that his brother, Kenneth Christensen, was actually Cooper. Now, Kenneth may... Kenneth was actually a, a paratrooper right after World War II. He also coincidentally worked as a mechanic for Northwest Orient Airlines. Now this is the same airline that DB Cooper flew with. Now apparently um, he is also he also enjoys bourbon and <laughs> he purchased a really nice house not too long after the crime. And get this while Ken was on his deathbed. Okay, Lyle remembers his brother pulling him close and saying, there's something you should know, but I cannot tell you. And then Kenneth died. So (laughs) he never really got to admit if it was him. It's just random. I mean, that's a hell of a cliffhanger. There's something you need to know, but I can't say anything. And then I croak. That's... (laughs) Now, in um, in 1995, uh, Dwayne Weber is someone else who claimed to be Cooper on his deathbed. I don't know what it is with with uh, white old men on their deathbeds wanting to claim to be him, but that, they tend they tend to do that a lot, apparently. Weber was actually hospitalized in Florida with ki- with a uh, kidney disease, and he mentioned to his wife Jo to come close, because that's a closer come closer <laughs> so that it was joe and he said that he had something that he wanted to tell her he told her that he had a secret and that he said i'm dan cooper and then he died <laughs> so after he passed uh, joe began to sort a lot of the pieces together reasons why her late husband could have been telling her the truth she even re- remembered a time where he was sleep talking after, uh, you know, during a nightmare that he was having. And, uh, he said something about leaving fingerprints on a plane while he was asleep, he was sleep talking. So it's quite possible that, that maybe, maybe he was, cause that is a little strange when you think about it. He supposedly also had an old knee injury, but he claimed that he got that from jumping out of a plane. So that is another odd thing, if that's true. And also supposedly he had an old Northwest airline ticket and even took her to the place where the money was eventually found. But of course, the DNA test between, um, DB Cooper's DNA and his, well, it was inconclusive. Duh. (laughs) They, it always is. Another theory is that it could have been a man by the name of John List. Now John killed his entire family in 1971. That, of course, is the same year that D.B. Cooper uh, Cooper pulled off his crime. Okay, so that, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. So he clearly had nothing else to lose, right? No. Now, John was captured in 1989 after he was caught living under a false identity for about 17 years, and you guys will never guess who was responsible for catching him. Do you guys remember that awesome show, America's Most Wanted? Yep. That show aided in catching him. So yeah. And I gotta be honest with you, that show scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It scared the hell out of me. (laughs) So It's so crazy because as an adult, I'm super into true crime that it's almost creepy. But when I was a kid, America's most wanted scared the shit out of me. It just makes no sense. Anyways, the FBI says that Cooper and List they did have uh, similar physical descriptions. John was 44 when he killed his family, and both men were about also the same height and weight, and they also, did think, they also said that uh, D.B. Cooper looked like he was in his mid-40s, so everything seems to match so far. It's also said that John spent the last $200,000 of his mother's savings uh, in her account shortly before he killed his family, and that is the exact amount that Cooper demanded that's that's weird. <laughs> I mean, that's that's very strange, the exact amount $200,000. Now, wait to hear this last theory. Um it's actually my favorite because if it's true, uh DB <laughs> it would explain how DB Cooper was able to get away and why no one ever found him. So this is one of my favorite ones. There are a lot of conspiracy theories to believe that DB Cooper was probably a woman. Yep. Now there was a woman by the name of Barbara Dayton who was uh, around and was live around in World War II because Barbara was a World War II veteran who was actually born Robert Dayton. Now supposedly uh, Barbara received her first sex change operation in Washington, and that was performed in 1969. Now a couple years before Cooper did his thing, Barbara was fearless. Now, many actually described her as um, pretty borderline reckless. <laughs> she she was a highly skilled pilot and a parachutist, which is someone who enjoys jumping from planes with parachutes as a sport. I don't understand that shit, but people do like it. She was also a great mechanic and an explosive expert. So these are traits that many people say that D.B. Cooper could have possessed. So who knows? Maybe D.B. Cooper actually was Barbara. I mean, I don't know. The entire world is looking for a man. Then perhaps Barbara Dayton is the smartest criminal of all times. Now, there were many other suspects and theories over the years, but if I discussed them, this podcast would be 17 days long. So I named the most popular ones and my favorite one, Team Barbara. (laughs) Okay, guys, if... If there is anything that you beautiful souls can take from this podcast episode, it's don't jump out of planes and disappear for over 50 years. It kind of freaks people out. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> Professionally silly life rules, guys. I, I want to go ahead and make sure I shout out my mom for joining us in this episode. This this might be the third episode that she's actually heard of mine. I, <laughs> I can't really... I can't really put it against her because I mean, I am a, I'm definitely a lot like my mother, but she is not like me. I, she is not into true crime. She is definitely definitely not into ghosts and the paranormal and shit. So my podcast can be a little much for her at times. So <laughs> so it was really awesome to be able to share uh, this this episode with her and to have her join us. That was awesome. You know, one one that uh, wouldn't give her nightmares. An episode that she could actually survive. <laughs> I love you, mommy. Damn right. In my thirties, and I still call her mommy. Shoot. Especially if I'm if I want something. Yeah. It's like a it's like a thing. It works. It works. Just try that with your parents. Just call them mommy or call them daddy, and ask them for twenty bucks. Yeah. Mom, I need you to pretend that you didn't hear the last ten seconds. Okay. <laughs> this was a fun episode. A lot of fun. Creepy as hell. So shout out to uh, FBI.gov. Wikipedia, Britannica.com, and YouTube's Buzzfeed's uh, Unsolved. This is where I got a lot of the info on this crazy-ass case. I definitely recommend that you watch Buzzfeed Unsolved, the series. It's uh, it's hilarious and it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to um, to learn about some of the true crime some of their supernatural and some of their paranormal, uh, uh, topics that they discuss and they, they make it very entertaining. So it's not super scary. So it's really great. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you're new, I hope that you come back and you would chill with me again. If you're a returning listener, thank you uh, so much for remembering that I'm here. I love that. I appreciate you boo. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your co-workers, your quarantine buddies. You know, help us sister get her podcast out there for new people to discover that I'm here. And if you're looking to support a black creator, once again, uh, you found one. I right here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So we have a new review on Apple Podcasts that I want to share with you guys. Coming in from Sala Soul or Sala Soul. I'm pretty sure I said it wrong. I always do. Uh, Sala Soul says, I stumbled upon this podcast while searching for listener ghost stories, and I'm so glad I did. Assorted topics beyond the paranormal, but always interesting, entertaining, and hilarious. New subby, I am here to stay. Great job. Well, you heard it from the horse's mouth okay that's from a new listener who thinks we're awesome (laughs) thank you so much for leaving that review my new friends I when I started when I first started this podcast I wasn't sure um if I could have different types of topics and do well um And to be honest with you, I'm still not sure, but I don't care. So (laughs) it's my podcast and I do what I want. But I I do think that it's awesome for me to have assorted topics because it's just me and it doesn't trap me in a box. I'm a solo podcaster. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm entertained with the things that I'm doing because I have to do it all the researching and and all the stuff and the recording by myself. But I also want to make sure that it's something that you guys would enjoy, too. So I'm able to explore and do more things now because I'm, I'm not stuck in a box. Plus, I end up learning a lot from some of the topics that we discuss here. And one of the biggest things that I've learned is um, don't fuck with Ouija boards. That's a doozy. That's like my favorite thing to say here because it's true as hell. I don't mess with them. I cannot say that enough. <laughs> I hope you guys will continue to leave me reviews on Apple Podcasts and continue listening because not only um, does it make my day when you leave me reviews, but it does help my podcast reach new listeners. Hell, it's probably exactly how uh, Soul, uh, Soul found us, so I appreciate that. Others left reviews. um, For those of you who make my... that I can't speak it's so hard for those of you who are leaving reviews it does make my podcast easier um to to, for new listeners to find you know so yes and she did well I don't know he or she they did mention that they were searching for ghost stories like listener ghost stories and happened to come across me so those reviews are working okay the more I get the better also guys don't forget to if you have any stories uh that you want to share on this podcast be sure to email them to me at itsprofessionallysilly at gmail.com. Everything is spelled correctly. Um, and it's also going to be down in the show notes. It can be about literally anything you want because my podcast does cover, like like uh, Sailor Soul says, a lot of topics. So there's always room for for your awesomeness and uh, be sure to let me know in the email if you want to be anonymous or what you want to go by in your email because i will be sharing it uh here on the podcast so make sure you follow this podcast on instagram and twitter at it's pro silly i-t-s-p-r-o and then the word silly um, I do have pictures, uh, for this episode up on the IG. So if you enjoyed this episode or there are other episodes that you would, uh, like to review or what have you, you can do so on, um, Apple podcast, but you can also check out the photos or, and, or videos pertaining to episodes from now on, on my, on my Instagram. So that's going to be great. Also guys, um, I've got a PO box as well. So if you want to snail mail me and send a letter or something, you can do that as well. Um, make sure you write to, uh, you know, on the, in the sender area, Amber Smiles Jones, P.O. Box 29892, Los Angeles, California, 90029. That will also be in the, um, in the show notes below. Check out, uh, all that information that's in the show notes as well. I got my Instagram and social media stuff, my YouTube channel, all that stuff, my TikTok, all that's down there. So I'm um, Hey, I'm, okay, I'm out there. I am on the internet. I, I'm, I'm out there, guys. I'm doing my thing. <laughs> so once again, guys, I'm your audible booth fang, Amber Smiles Jones. And thank you so much for listening to the Professionally Silly station here on Anchor FM, where I take my silliness seriously. Feel free to join in about any episode of Professionally Silly that you've heard through the Anchor app, or you can call slash text my Google voice number for a chance to be featured on my podcast until next time my loves watch where you step because there are pieces of shit everywhere